Hello, everyone. My name is Pragnea Sharma, and welcome back to the Cause Podcast. Today is April 25th, 2021, and I'm speaking to you all from Washington, D.C. Today, we'll be talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, which is a political and social movement which sprung up in the United States in 2013. The movement is against police brutality and violence against Black people, which is racially motivated. Today, I will be interviewing a variety of representatives important to the subject. We will be talking to Officer Carl Johnson, and this will give us a police officer's point of view, uh, Teresina, a Black Lives Matter activist, and a U.S. researcher, Nolan, and South African researcher, Lungelo, who will represent the public opinion. Please keep in mind that while we have one or two of each perspective speaking today, they do not account for the rest of the public. For example, Officer Johnson may answer a question of mine, but his answer does not represent every police officer's opinions and motives. Please make sure that you do your own research on this matter, as we cannot hit every perspective. So let's start with Officer Johnson, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, thank you. I'm Officer Johnson from the Minnesota Police Force. I've been in service for five years now, and the last year has been one of the hardest years yet. Perfect. So let's start with our questions. The first one is, how did protests look like? And how and why did protests become violent? The protests were very large and it was quite astonishing to see all the people coming together to fight for the lives of black people and to protest against police brutality in the U.S. The NY Times stated that between 16 and 26 million people took part in the protests all over the U.S. People were united for the right cause and it was a wonderful thing to see. I also wanted to protest with the masses. It was really inspiring. As I was present at the protest, I could see that most people wanted to peacefully protest. People were fighting for the right reasons, and I think it really caught the attention of the people all over the country and even the world. I think that Donald Trump fueled the fire when he made a Twitter post that said, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. I believe this made a lot of people upset, and I don't think it was the right actions from the president. The looting and rioting erupted in Minnesota after police officers shot the man during a routine traffic stop, who then crashed his vehicle and died. People were outraged and then things just got out of control by people who promoted the looting and rioting. There were also civilians walking around with fully loaded weapons. People were outraged and a type of herd mentality came into play. How have you had to defend yourself against the public opinion? I've dedicated myself to being a fair and good police officer. I encountered a lot of racism since I started but I kept my head up and I know that not all police officers are bad. I know what the police stand for and I know what I stand for. As a black police officer, I had it a bit easier than some of the other white officers. At the protest, I was communicating with the people and I kneeled to show my support to them. Some of the other police officers were shouted at for being white and being a police officer. Not all police are bad. Therefore, I agree and disagree with the defund the police movement. I think police should be defunded, but I do think the police should be refunded, just better. People are calling for the total desolation of the police system. As a black person, I can see why, but as a police officer, I cannot see why this is the right move. I have firsthand seen how the right kind of policing can save people and serve their communities, making it a safer and better place to live in. But I've also seen how bad policing can destroy people's lives and leave, leave them helpless and angry. I believe the answer to racist policing is not by taking away the good, but by, take away, by taking away the bad and building on the good. Throughout all the commotion, I defended myself and my co-workers who I knew were not in the wrong. What are your thoughts on education of diversity, equity, and inclusion within the police academy? 
I believe education and diversity has a lot to do with each other, and I believe they go hand in hand in shaping a young mind. The educating of diversity and equity can help help children and even older people to reshape their minds and to see all people as equals. I hope that the significance of the Black Lives Matter movements reflect onto young people and teachers of our era to help shape the minds of future generations into better versions of us. When I first joined the police force, I encountered a lot of racism towards me, and I knew that I was in for a tough time. The white officers often made fun of black officers and told us that we do not belong, as it was the same as letting the fox guard the animals. If we are to move forward, we must destroy these thoughts and focus on educating ourselves and others about diversity and equity. I believe the first change could be made through the hiring of new police officers. Most officers do not have a degree behind the name and therefore they lack the, fo- they lack the foundational education. Education that would broaden their worldview, make them more empathetic, t- empathetic towards other cultures and to understand more about human psychology. Police academies must also change. In the academy we are taught that the enemy is out there. It is no different to a soldier. We cannot think clearly about the situation if officers are taught that the enemy is out there. We patrol our streets like an occupying force. The training at the academy is, is also to train us for worst case scenarios. This is good, but it also creates a gap in knowledge and it makes the police officer only have a few, few thoughts rather than, rather than thinking how they can prevent the situation from escalating. Because once the fighting starts, the police officer has already lost. Racism within policing should also be addressed, not through any training, but through hiring of new officers who reflect the communities to which they serve, by race and by gender. The job of police officers should be made attractive to people with higher education and to people who want to create social change. So yes, defund the police, but refund them better. Make the pay higher and hire people with college degrees, people who understand human psychology, cultural sensitivity, communication and de-escalization of conflict skills, and also hold people to account. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for your time, Officer Johnson. It was nice hearing about your unique opinion on the matter, being an African-American and having the duties of a police officer. So far, we have had one representative speak. Let's talk to others to compare their opinions. We can go to our activist, Teresina, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, thank you for allowing me to be on this platform. I am honored to be here. My name is Trezina and I am a proud Black Lives Matter activist. Perfect. Let's start with our questions. How have you used your privilege to stand up for the black community? As a Black Lives Matter activist, it is important for me to advocate for my community and to spread the word of police brutality against black people. The simple fact that you think there is such thing as black privilege shows how misinformed you are about what privilege is and how it comes about. As a Black Lives Matter activist, yes, I have used my activism to advocate for black people, fight against police brutality, and spread awareness about discrimination, attacks, and racism against black people. What were some setbacks while trying to stand up for the Black Lives Matter movement? Standing up for this movement has showed me different sides of people who I thought were my friends. We seem to forget that the Black Lives Matter movement was created to dismantle white supremacy, police brutality, 
and vows to help black people receive the respect and equal opportunities they deserve. All lives matter, but all lives are not treated the same. Were you hesitant during violent protests? And what are your thoughts on peaceful and violent protests? I was not hesitant at all. Joining any protest is a choice. Both peaceful and violent protests create awareness in their own way. But peaceful protests do not receive as much media coverage as violent protests. The media tends to give us a biased point of view. Thank you so much for your time. Your duties as an activist are obviously very important, and we thank you for contributing to the community in a very positive way. Moving on to our last two representatives, Nolan, who is the United States Public Opinion Representative, and Lungelo, who is the South African Public Opinion Representative. If you would both like to introduce yourselves. Hey, thank you for having me on today. I'm Nolan, a public opinions expert from the Charlotte Sun. Hi, I'm Lungelo, all the way from South Africa, and I'll be sharing my opinion on the protests as well as how I feel like the media portrayed the protests. I'm very happy to be here today. Thank you guys for having me. What is your opinion on protests, including violent protests, and how were they portrayed in the media? The protests that took place in summer 2020 were very impactful, but also left a great divide in our nation. What began as peaceful protest in the wake of the death of George Floyd sometimes turned violent, which created a mixed opinion among the American public. Media opinions of the protests were mixed. Some outlets jumped on the original narrative and immediately condemned the officers involved in the incident. These outlets often hesitated to call protests turned violent riots and were more sympathetic towards the protesters. Other outlets took a more cautioned approach when reporting the story. These sources sought a due process and investigation following the death of George Floyd and were quicker to defend the police when protests turned violent. My opinion on protesting is that it's a human right that must be upheld and protected. And it's such a problem when you go into your social media platforms and you see state representatives harming loved ones, children and relatives and friends, blatantly violating this basic human rights and then expecting that the protests will be peaceful. Obviously, it's inevitable that the protests will turn out violently because of how the, 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 the state decided to intervene. During the periods of 2014 and 2016, in South Africa, we saw a huge rise in um, protests happening because people and students especially were concerned about the rates of fees, which led to fees must fall, which later on led to Zuma must fall. This made me feel like the best way for the government to handle violent protests is for the government to meet up and have dialogue with the protest leaders and understand what their grievances are and understand what their discontent is about and also ensure that majority of the issues are addressed while they're still upholding the law because I feel like the government fails at addressing issues and upholding the law at the same time. Hence, we find protests turning violent. For example, in South Africa, 
South Africa's image was greatly damaged by how it failed to handle the violent protests like the Murugana massacre. And we see this as well as how the American government has failed to address the Black Lives Matter movement in a way that is still upholding and recognizing the basic human rights of protesting. I still believe that repression and violation of human rights, regardless of the extent of the provocation, can never be a solution. Africa is a continent that is dominated by Bantu Africans and has faced issues such as inequality, rape, slavery, and police brutality for years that it's so degrading that when a developed country like America just highlights the surface of these issues, only then do they get attention, only then do they get addressed, only then does the media play a role in making it viral. But when it comes to the African context, where Africans come from, the most resource-rich continent, yet the poorest continent, whatever Africans cry about, the world does not hear because the media filters what is heard on a local, national, and international level. And I feel like the Black Lives Matter um, protest and movement did not really... Um, gain as much popularity in Africa because they were echoing things that were already happening, things that have been happening, things that we've been crying about. The way Africans are still being enslaved, tortured, raped, it should cause the world to come to standstill like it did for George Floyd. In May 2020, many Africans mobilized, protested, and took to social media to stand in solidarity with the African-American brothers and sisters. Despite being miles apart, Africans were adamant in showing their outrage about the police brutality of black people in, in America. Yet in October, when things were bad in Africa, ranging from human trafficking to femicide, just to mention a few things, America was probably, Africa was probably not even trending in America or on the Twitter. There are trends in South Africa, such as Am I Next, which addresses femicide, that you probably won't even see trend in America. And this is all about how social media or how the media filters and uses algorithms to, you know, spread information. How have your opinions shifted as the movement has progressed over time? Public opinion has varied throughout the movement, and clear lines have been drawn on either side. While more people seemed to support the movement initially, the events of summer 2020 caused the movement to lose some support. The movement is still alive, but there is definitely a division in the nation that will need to be healed before progress can be made. And now a specific question for our South African representatives. Being in a different country, what do you think South African activists can learn from this movement? I believe that South Africans can learn a lot from the Healing Toolbox Kit, which is found on the website of the Black Lives Matter movement, which talks about tools to use before, during, and after protests, such as um, 
breathing, such as meditation, such as working out, to actively promote healing of the trauma that has been caused um, by whatever has caused the discontent or whatever has caused the, the protest, which is something I feel like, um, trauma is something I feel like Africans or a lot of protesters have in common. But in the African context, in the South African context, it's something that has been overlooked in the sense of we're not actively seeking or trying to heal our trauma. And I believe that a lot more peace and clarity will come if we started incorporating and including and welcoming traditional healers into the protest. But this is such a controversial controversial um, topic to have, including traditional healers or representatives into protests. Because people are so... Um, they're so divided on the opinions of traditional healers and the role that they play in society. It was very interesting hearing about the opinions of two representatives from two different countries. I thank you so much for your time today. Today we've heard from many people and have learned quite a lot about the Black Lives Matter movement. Thank you for tuning in with us and hearing more about the very prominent Black Lives Matter movement in the United States. Hope everyone has a great rest of their day and till our next podcast.